Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Fox 2's Roop Raj on the Thursday, June 1st edition of Let It Rip. We talked about the student loan relief. President Biden wants it to continue, but the Supreme Court has a big decision to make. We have one Republican, one Democrat who have a lot to say about that. Also coming up tonight, Ron DeSantis entering the race for president. But can he take on former President Trump? What about Joe Biden? We take a look at that. And with that, let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, what do President Biden, former President Trump, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis all have in common? Politically speaking, not much, but they're all going for the same prize, the White House. So does DeSantis entering the race make the GOP more competitive? Or are we set for a rematch of 2020 no matter what? But first. Students leave with debt, like a lot of debt, and I think that affects like... You know, if you're going to a certain job, it's going to make it a lot harder to save that money. The 87% who don't have student loan debt are going to pay for it. A Supreme Court decision on Biden's student loan relief plan could come any day. But with a conservative court, do borrowers stand a chance at seeing that help? The debate starts now. And so time now to let it rip President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell and former Congressman here, Mike Bishop. Good to see you both. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we got both ends of the political spectrum here, but an interesting debate about the student loan uh, issue here. You have the Supreme Court later on this month that will decide whether or not this president has the power to continue some of this forgiveness program. But let's talk about the forgiveness program itself. Congresswoman Dingell, this president is saying, hey, $10,000 relief for those who make $125,000 or less, and an additional $10,000 for those who perhaps are on a Pell Grant. Do you think that's too kind, too much? Or families that make 75, have an income of $75,000 or less to really get into the details. I think that Student loan debt is is destroying families. It's it's become a, a staggering cost, and it, it was a way to try to help stimulate the economy, uh, to help young people, not so young people anymore. Quite frankly, people are are middle aged and still paying off staggering loan debt. And it was a way that he is trying to help the economy and to help working men and women across this country that are struggling. Mike Bishop, there's two issues here. I think we talked earlier. You said one is about whether or not this president should be able to do this. The Supreme Court will decide on that. But should he be able to do this? Do you have an objection to continuing the forgiveness of these student loans? Well, I, first of all, I, I agree with Congresswoman Dingell uh, on, the, on the reasons. I don't disagree. But what I do disagree with is that uh, this is, in my opinion, and I think the justices will, will affirm this, that it is unconstitutional. I know. I, I'm learning the Supreme Court. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's unconstitutional. It's, and it's, it's, not, it's not a Republican-Democrat issue. It's right in the Constitution. We are a, uh, we are a, a constitutional republic. And our Constitution specifically lays out the rules of both the legislative branch and the executive branch. And in this case, you know, you have a member of the executive branch. And it's not just President Biden. This has happened before. Presidents have always tried to, you know, uh, to undercut the role of Congress. But 
Article one of the Constitution lays out specifically what the role of Congress is, and that is to legislate, to pass laws, and to appropriate funds. Those two things are important in this decision, and I think the Supreme Court's gonna come back and say, President Biden, no matter what your reasoning was, you can't do that. But you, you say you despite, despite what the reason is, but President Trump, former President Trump, is the one who started this program well, because the, there was a need for it at the time. And this president is arguing that that need continues. In fact, in many ways, it could be worse. People's mental health situations are worse. People's family situations are worse. Do you see why there's a need for this? You mean the pause in the student loan There's two uh, different payback. issues here. Right. Well, right. But, but I'm saying, do you understand the need for the pause? Uh, we all, I think, can understand the circumstances involved, especially with COVID and all this country has been through. And I think decisions were made based on that. But in the end, I don't think the decisions were made based on good public policy. You know, these were political decisions by, pardon the word, but politicians who made certain decisions based on what politically uh, they might get read. I mean, the millennials in this state, in this country now, are going to canonize uh, President Biden for all that he has done for them to give back to them, and that's what he but, wanted to. But Mike, 20 million people with student loan debt live in Republican districts. I Republicans are sitting back saying, wait a minute here, I mean, you could be hurting the very people you're trying to get the vote from. Uh, so I got my, my lawyer hat on now. I, I'm just not being a politician, not thinking Republican or Democrat. I look directly as a constitutional republic should at the, the Constitution itself. And I need only go to Article One of the Constitution that specifically lays out what the role of Congress is. And then you go to Article Two and you look specifically at the role of, of the executive is. And this is a blatant, bald face uh, power grab by the executive branch. Con no, no Con offense. Congresswoman, what do you think when That's you hear that? I mean, do you think this president is pushing the envelope too far? I want to, look, I think just for the viewers, we need to talk about two different actions. Because in the agreement, so starting with President Trump and President Biden, they put a pause on student loan payments. Now, on, with regard to that, it, in the agreement that was reached in the deficit ceiling, Biden and McCarthy agreed that 60 days after the June 30th, I think it is, which is right. August 29th, student loan payments will start again. The Senate voted today separately to rescind, this is very confusing because it's yeah. two different issues, the student loan uh, forgiveness of up to $20,000. But there's two issues. One is the pause, the which pause, is because of COVID. Which has already been And that's already been to, taken care of. Which was of the done by executive order. Now that's done, but we're talking about the forgiveness that this president wants to continue beyond the pause, and that forgiveness would give up to $25,000, right? Being, it was voted on in the House last week. It was voted on in the Senate today, and the president has said that he will veto it. So it is in the legislative branch. But Congresswoman, do you think this burdens taxpayers unfairly, some who didn't go to college at all, others who already paid their fair share of their student loans and struggled to do so? Do you see how they think this there is unfair? There is clearly, that is part of of the discussion. And I think we've got what we need to do, not in a Republican or Democratic way, but as a country need to be making education more affordable instead of less affordable. And the staggering student debt that our 
that our generations have been graduating with and is increasing, nobody can afford it. How much is it to go to law school now? How much is it to go to medical school? And we need to incentivize more people going into. We don't maybe need more lawyers, but I love you. But we <laughs> but, don't have enough doctors and dentists but now. Mike, a lifelong burden on low and middle income Americans. Yeah. Some people are saying that some of these Republicans who are saying this is too much and it's, it's charity and this isn't right, they're saying they're out of touch with what everyday Americans are dealing with. Do you think that may be close to the well, truth? Well, that's pretty much what Americans think about members of elected government, that they're out of touch and not in tune. And I think the solution that was created was a political solution. If we're going to address the problem, and I think it was correctly stated by Congressman Dingell, and that is that we have skyrocketing, es escalating uh, tuition costs. If that is a problem, then we should be addressing the problem and not fanning the flames of the symptoms. And that's what this does. It makes the, the cost of, of tuition go up even faster because once colleges figure out that there's someone there to pay for their, their tuition increase, they'll continue to do it. And just because this, if this president gets away with this, this time, future presidents are going to forgive debt in the future. And it's going to happen. And we're not solving the problem. These, these schools, these institutions of higher education have got to come to the table and figure out how they bring the cost of tuition down. The people who are affected the most are college students themselves. We went out today and talked with some college students about their thoughts and they wanted you to hear them. I Take want to hear them. Coming from me being a junior, I've been in school for about four or five years now. I mean, taking some time off here and there. So my student debt's pretty high. Um, I think that the student debt forgiveness is a really good thing. It'll get people out of school quicker. Um, it'll lower the debt that everybody has. And I think that it'll be a good thing for our society as a whole. As a lot of students leave with debt, like a lot of debt, and I think that affects like, you know, if you're going to a certain job, it's gonna make it a lot harder to save with that money. And just makes life harder. It's very intimidating, the money. I mean, knowing that you're gonna have to pay it off, people just, you know, sway away from it because living as it is is already really hard, especially being, you know, a young person in their 20s and their 30s. I mean, it's hard for everybody, but up and coming now, it's very difficult and people just wanna sway away from anything that they can that'll save them some money. Mike, those are people who actually have food on the table and a roof over their head mm -hmm. who are saying this. We talk about uh, even playing field when you, are unable to pay or even engage with a university at all and apply for a grant or a, a student loan because you don't believe that you can pay this off, doesn't that stop people from an equal opportunity to get an education? There's no question. I mean, that, uh, that goes without saying. It, it is not, however, the issue. The issue is the cost of higher education. And if we really want to address this problem, we got to stop giving away money because that's just going to drive up the cost. It's going to drive up inflation. Across the board, it's a bad idea. It's bad public policy. If you want to solve the problem, you got to go to the root, and that is the cost of education. And the cost of education is a result of a bloated um, uh, infrastructure inside the higher education. But coming yeah. off of a pandemic that we just came off so soon after when people are so burdened by so much, wouldn't this be the time to not address that bigger issue, but rather give them the relief they need? Well, how about this, Rube? How about all the people that didn't go to college? How about all the people that paid their student loans? How about all the people that have already, that, that paid it as they went? All of those Americans, those hardworking Americans that have done that in good faith, it is patently offensive to me to think that those people would have to bear the burden of that cost for something that they, in good faith, have already done themselves. And it just, it's not fair. How about all those people that didn't go to college? 
and there only 40% of Americans go to uh, go to college. Congresswoman, so, I wanted to ask you about this. Even Joe Manchin, of course, a moderate Democrat, said, look, there are 50 existing student loan programs to help people if they can't pay. And by doing this, the president is literally minimizing and, and making those useless. What about those other programs that are out there? Shouldn't people be looking at those? Well, I think people have been looking at those, and I think I, I think student debt is one of student college debt is one of the biggest problems we have in this country. And I think the president is trying to find a solution of something that has been stagnating the economy. And no matter what, I do believe those student loan repayments are going to start start at the end of the summer. People are not prepared for them. We already have economists saying that there's going to be a dramatic impact on the economy, that, that people are going to be going into poverty or not making the payments. What about the taxpayers who are already having to Look, worry I about, think about carrying the burden of, of for everybody I, else? I, I think that that's a fair question, and I think we're trying to address a crisis in the moment, but that our real job is what Mike and I agree on, which is to address the cost. Is that going to be talked about? I think we all have to, and we will keep talking about it, and I think people need to make it a priority. But I'll tell you one more thing as we come to a close. Not everybody needs to get a university degree. I, I can live without more I don't want to say lawyers, but more. But imagine living without an electrician or a plumber. They, we need more well, of and them, those, and they can make six figures. We need can, to. They show can make six figures. They can make money while they're on the job as apprentices, and that's a kind of a Correct. big deal. We should be supporting and looking at more of that. And we need future. to also, as a society, respect those jobs respect as much as we them. do we anything else. We can't live without them. Of course not. They're the they're the backbone of so much of society. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, good to see you. Mike Bishop, what a pleasure. Thank you. Come back again Thank and you. see us on Let It Rip. Still ahead, it's news. It surprised nobody, but immediately gave former President Trump his biggest rival for the Republican nomination. But does Florida Governor Ron DeSantis actually stand a chance at taking down the Donald? That debate rolls on next. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back now on Let It Rip, talking the 2024 election, which is getting more crowded on the Republican side. GOP strategist Jamie Rowe is joining the debate, and of course, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell is with us as well. Good to see both of you. I want to begin with a Congresswoman. It's an interesting, if you look at a congressperson's itinerary, why aren't you at Mackinac? It's because you were in Washington. The reason you were in Washington is the debt ceiling. Uh, give everybody an update. What happened? Well, I'm going to say this about it. It was not a great process. I felt like we were being held hostage. We, America has to pay its bills. We could not default on the uh, debt ceiling. Nobody's happy. Uh, compromise is not a dirty word, so if nobody's happy, we're probably at the right place. And all but one of the Michigan delegation voted for it, Republicans and Democrats. Let's talk about this president who, of course, uh, sat down with Speaker McCarthy and came up with a solution together. The two of them, as you say, both not exactly thrilled. But moving forward here, who is it that you think can take on President Joe Biden and win, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? I never underestimate Donald Trump. I've said that to people. His popularity remains strong. He's got a base in this state, 
and in this country that is strong, and I think he is a formidable candidate. When people first talked about Ron DeSantis, uh, Jamie Rowe, they were, were singing his praises uh, months ago, saying it's going to be incredible, this is our answer. There are people who are disappointed in former President Trump after the insurrection. They were saying, I need a new guy. They found him. Um, do you think he's actually meeting uh, you know, the expectation with all this praise? Yeah, I think the expectations were really high for Governor DeSantis coming in, particularly after a 20-point win in his race for re-election in Florida last fall when Republicans across country had problems. Governor DeSantis freight trained his way through Florida, so I would not underestimate Ron DeSantis as well, uh, at, at all. Um, I think one thing we have right now are a lot of people running and I think that one thing that they see is weakness in our current president. We saw it uh, today, unfortunately, when, when he, he took a, another tumble at, at the uh, Air Force Academy uh, graduation, which is difficult to watch, quite frankly. Um, but Jamie, aren't but, we seeing a difficulty, aren't we seeing a weakness with Donald Trump? Isn't that why the gates are open and other people are walking in? I mean, if, if Donald Trump was really as undefeatable and as invincible as everyone first thought, why would someone like Ron DeSantis put his political career on the line for this? Because they think they have better answers for the problems that are facing America. I think Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis had, believes that. I think Vivek Ramaswamy was a candidate I think a great deal of, uh, who's a brilliantly smart man with, with great solutions to, to our problems that he's offering up. I think Governor uh, or Ambassador Nikki Haley had, has great ideas. I think former Vice President Mike Pence has great ideas. I think they're running because they think they have something to offer to America, not because of how they feel about Donald Trump. It's how they feel about America. Congresswoman, when you see this gentleman over here, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's made stops in Metro Detroit. His ideas are popular, but people are questioning whether or not someone who's just coming out of as an entrepreneur can just become the president. But you don't put anything past anybody. You saw Donald Trump years ago, and you predicted that he would do better than he did. I have still said to everybody, do not underestimate Donald Trump. Uh, I uh, think that he's got a strong base. I think you're going to have a lot of Republican candidates. And I actually, a lot of the candidates that are running are friends on the Republican side. Actually, Ron DeSantis is the person that I least, I don't like what he's doing, the hate that he's spreading in Florida, the banning of books, the banning of courses in just American history, taking on Disney. I, it is somebody that I really do have Did problems you, with. You, you worked with Ron DeSantis in 2013 for a I, short time in no, Congress. I, no, I was not there yet. I mean, I there. certainly knew who he was, and John worked with him, but I have not worked with him. But I, I don't like what I've seen in Florida. It sort of dismays me. Is he further right than, than he was when he was in Congress? Uh, I, I think he's getting more attention and able to take more action. So his conservative... I don't even know the word I would use to call it conservatism. I, I really don't think you can... And ban history the way that he is, ban African-American classes, or I, I just think that's wrong. Jamie Rowe, even Donald Trump himself said the way Ron DeSantis handled uh, Disney is just bad business in general. Do you think Ron DeSantis is trying too hard to get to the extreme right base and in the process is alienating everybody? I think Ron DeSantis has firm beliefs on issues that he, that he cares about and he acts on them. Um, it, and as far as Florida goes, it's one of the fastest growing states in the country. It survived COVID economically almost better than any place else in the country, largely due to his leadership. 
people aren't leaving Florida. People are going to Florida. There may be some who are leaving, but a heck of a lot more are going because but they you, like what they see. To impress what's more, happening you don't have to impress in, in more Florida. than people who like the idea of Florida. You have to impress all of Middle America, and you have to impress people who maybe disenchanted with Donald Trump, but are sitting back saying, "This guy may not be my cup of tea. I don't know how much further right he's going to go." Do you think that's a concern that he's too extreme? Yeah. First of all, I don't think how what he's done has been fairly explained in the media, like the, the don't say gay law. Three words that don't appear in any of that legislation are don't say gay. Those are nowhere in that, in that legislation. What they don't want to do is sexualize children in public schools, which I personally, as parent, I agree with completely. We should not be doing that in our public schools. So I, and, and after he did it, he got reelected by 20 points in, in a swing state like Florida. So I think that the people of Florida like what he's doing, and I think the people in the Republican Party are, are going to like it as well. Or at least it's good to have his voice as a part of the debate. And I think that we're going to have a very strong debate on our side. It's going to be a tough fight, though, against someone who can say, look, whether you like it or not, this president, the former president, talked about drilling the wall and getting criminals out of the country they've been allowed to come in safely he just tweeted that earlier today or, or on social media so uh, after that's stop drilling stop building the wall and has had more illegal aliens come across the border than any president in American history he can tweet all he wants actions speak a heck of a lot louder than tweets that's for sure well I'm talking about the former president former president oh, Trump okay, talking okay. about drilling well, like talking the about the wall no, no the, the former president okay. talked about drilling the wall right. and getting criminals out and he's saying that he's the guy to do that uh, and it yeah. looks as though former President Trump is leaning further and further towards the center or left, wouldn't you say, Congresswoman Dingell? Well, there's no question that he, he has been trying to moderate how people are looking at him. I do think that the Republican primary is going to be a fascinating primary because it isn't going to be a two-person race. It is going to be a five, six, or seven-person uh, race, which, by the way, dilutes. Donald Trump's base is strong, and then you've got everybody else breaking it up. Why is it that former Vice President Pence is not doing as well as perhaps he should, given the fact that he's a man of his word, a guy who's done everything that he should have done, played by the book, and at the end of the day, ending up with minuscule polling numbers? Yeah, that's a very good question, and, and we'll see. I think that there are a whole lot of people that are, that are hardcore Trump supporters that may have issues with uh, some of the actions of Vice President Pence. Do you uh, have an issue with the actions of former I, Vice President Pence? I don't. I think he's an honorable man who has uh, given very much to both the state of Indiana and to our country. I think his voice is, is a good one to add. To, uh, uh, to the choir here uh, as, we, as we get into, uh, into this campaign. And, and one thing I think right now, and, and all the polling shows President Trump with a uh, uh, huge lead in, in the primary, I think the debates are gonna matter. And one thing different you're gonna see on our side of the aisle is we're gonna have debates on the Republican side. President Biden faces opposition too from, from uh, 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 Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who is doing surprisingly well as far as I'm concerned in the polling but he will not share a debate stage with with uh, Robert F Kennedy jr. and I just wonder why not why why does President Biden not want to give voters on the Democrat side the same option that we're giving them on the Republican side Congresswoman Dingell you've known the president President Biden for a long time are you concerned at all about his mental acuity and his ability to stand on stage and take on opponents? So I want to say this to you. I, whenever I'm with Joe Biden, he is, I went to Ireland with him a month ago. He is focused. He knows what the issues are. You know, the fall today, 
was, I get it. Do you know how many times I fall in the Capitol on those marble steps and I'm finally beginning to move to flat shoes? I, I, I've probably fallen 10 times. I don't have a camera on me uh, 24 hours a day, and I'm not, so we all have these, you know. But, but beyond the physical and the age, just mental acuity, the fact His that- mental acuity, I can tell you, the conversations I've had, the intense discussions that I've had, we have disagreements at times, we are very focused, we lack, his mental acuity is 100% But Congresswoman, there. in the press room, there is a lot of talk with our colleagues uh, at the national level who will say, how come this president doesn't show up, like former President Trump did, inside of that press room, instead sending his press secretary on a daily basis? He needs to show up more in front of the press. Do you think that's a that's I mean, an we issue? can go back and look at the history of different presidents, and different presidents did different things. Donald Trump loved the camera. Uh, and Joe Biden does make himself available. Uh, to the press, he talks to him not as much as everybody would like. But I, I can look. I had my arms broken as we were talking about this whole debt ceiling, and and what had happened is the deal was cut, and he focuses when I bring up different issues. I, I the one thing I can tell you, his mental acuity is there. Pro, former President Donald Trump and President Biden show up on a debate stage. What happens, Jamie? <laughs> Fireworks are going to happen, is, is, is my guess. Um, I think President Biden is going to be held to account for his record. And if you look at the polling that 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 uh, I saw today, I think he had a 42% job approval rating, and 21% of the people in America think the country's on the right track. President Biden had his record is not being embraced by the American people. He lost control of the House of Representatives last year, and I think he's going to have um, a tough time. But you support DeSantis, but at the same time, do you think DeSantis, uh, do, you think former, do you think President Biden can actually, speaking of mental acuity, I'm 47, what's going on here? But if you really take a look at President Biden and DeSantis, and then you look at Trump, who has a better chance against Biden? Personally, I think that, that uh, Governor DeSantis would have a better chance against uh, uh, President Biden. And, and the biggest reason is I think that we need some generational change in, in uh, in our leadership, particularly at the uh, executive level in this country. And I think that there are a whole bunch of uh, younger voters out there who simply don't identify with two octogenarian candidates. I think that we are far better served as a country if we look to the future, and I think that we need somebody, we, we need a new generation to step forward and lead this country. I want to give you an opportunity, Congresswoman Dingle, to, to wrap this up when we come back with final thoughts after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Final thoughts on the upcoming election. I know it's still more than a year out, but Congresswoman Dingell. It's a year out. I don't believe any poll. I told all of you Donald Trump was going to win Michigan. None of you believe me because the polls. Polling doesn't mean a thing. We do have the video that she did say that I, many years ago. As a political operative, I'm going to 100% agree with you. Uh, don't pay attention to the polls. Pay attention to the message that the candidates are bringing to the table. And Detroit, go to the Grand Prix this weekend. And happy graduation to my daughter, Mia, who's graduating from Lutheran High North on Sunday. No one's going to argue with you there. Jamie Rowe, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Congresswoman Dingle, as usual, good to see you. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip.
The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.